the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentanko brings us a message today entitled, The First Angel's Message. Due to our time constraints, we'll only be able to bring you the first portion of this message today. But you can always go online to listen to the entire message. And I'll give you all those details at the close of our broadcast today. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. We have people standing by to take your phone call at any time. So please consider giving us a call and letting us know that you listen. Let's get underway with today's message entitled, The First Angel's Message. And here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Father God, as we bow our heads here today, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, the things we're talking about today are not about a person that's human here. It's not about how good I can present this truth. It's really about the truth that is in him. And we need Jesus today. We're grateful for who he is. We're grateful that you've given end-time messages to this church that are meant to awaken our love for you. They're meant to really seal us, not in a personality as such, but in Jesus. No matter what happens to us or to that which is around us, that our faith is settled in the truth, which is in Jesus, these three angels that we are speaking about. Father, these messages aren't something that came from me. They're something that were born on the wings of Bible prophecy. At the end of the great prophetic periods, the first and second angel's message, Lord, articulated by a generation that lived and died and suffered to proclaim it before the great disappointment of 1844. And a church was raised up, Father, a global movement which has its very identity and the very heart of God that is the restoration of apostolic Christianity. Yes, Lord, we know its flaws. We know that every one of us in this prophetic movement has flaws. But as far as Jesus is concerned, there are no flaws because he died for his church. Help us, Father, to value it, to realize that we are a world church, not just a local church. To value our place in the global family of faith that is articulating this message to the world. And as we open the Bible today, help us to see Jesus in his name. Amen. The new gods are comic book heroes. It's a fact. Superman has a lot of competition today. There's Batman, the Dark Knight, I think they call him, Wonder Woman, now with gender confusion, Spider-Man, X-Men, the Incredible Hulk, and Roger Hayhurst. Roger Hayhurst? Well, Roger Hayhurst is a crime-fighting superhero, night warrior type, self-made. Dark Knight... Move over, Roger Hayhurst is here. Or should I say Roger was here? Roger goes by the name of Night Warrior. 
He started his crime-finding career in 2011 when the word got out that he was patrolling the streets of his hometown in Swinton, Great Britain. He would break up fights and challenge strange behavior with the persona and with the cape that comes with a superhero. He would just jump into the mix and try to solve the problem. Now, his mother encouraged him in his newfound career by helping him acquire a real superhero suit. In Great Britain, it cost over 200 pounds. Now, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but that's probably pretty expensive, correct? Maybe close to $400, something like that. His girlfriend joined the fight against crime as his superhero sidekick. She called herself Night Maiden. So Roger became Night Warrior, and Rebecca became the Night Maiden. She was so proud of Roger, she joined the team. It went fine for a while until one night Roger, or should I say Night Warrior, was walking through a neighborhood when some antisocial lads with some street savvy started punching Night Warrior in the face. You know, they punched him pretty hard, and Night Warrior didn't know really how to defend himself. He thought the cape would work. It wasn't working. And Night Warrior got a swollen face, a bruised body out of the whole art deal, and his whole attitude about being a superhero changed. After that, Night Warrior became Roger Hayhurst again, and he only uses his superhero suit for children's charity. Rebecca got rid of her costume, too. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Roger couldn't hack it as a superhero, so he's trying to just survive as an ordinary man. You know, there are many Christians today who are trying to hack it as a superhero. Am I right? Who have this idea that to be a Christian... You have to be able to just take on the forces of evil and win every time and that you are the the center of the universe as far as God is concerned. Friend, it may come as a surprise to you to learn that God has not called you as a Christian to function on the plane of superheroes. He has not called you to put a cape on and fly for him. He's not called you to put an S on your shirt and somehow be super. He has called you instead to know the one who is the superhero, to come into a friendship and a submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the fight against evil, trying to win the battle on their own, many Christians have beaten themselves up because they know there are times in which they don't win. Well, friend, it may come as a surprise to discover that God doesn't ask you to be a superhero. He's asking to take the cape off, to surrender the title of superhero, to come down from the proud ground you stand on and fall upon your knees at the foot of the cross and worship the creator God who offers you the living hero who is Jesus Christ. The first angel's message in Revelation 14, 6-7 is just what the world needs at the end of time. It is a call for Christians. It is a call for the final generation to forget the role of being a superhero and to come and surrender to the everlasting gospel. In the book of Revelation, there are four angels released at the end of time with four distinct messages for the world. And when men and women are looking for superheroes, these angels, these four angels, one after the other, in historical succession, prepare the world for the real superhero who will come in the clouds of glory, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the first angel's message is, in fact, the affirmation of what we call the everlasting gospel. Now, why would God place that kind of affirmation in the first angel's message? There are Christians today who believe that somehow those early Christians didn't have all of the gospel, that somehow a final generation would do more than they were able to accomplish. You know, that just isn't true. The gospel that goes to the world at the end of time is not a new gospel. 
It's not a gospel that's improved upon by a final generation. It is a gospel that is the everlasting gospel. It is, in essence, the apostolic gospel. It is the truth that Jesus preached, that the apostles died for, that established the Christian faith. The Bible is absolutely clear. That everlasting gospel is going to the world at the end of time. Now, in the sixth trump of Revelation, these four angels that I'm talking about are released at the very time the book of Daniel is unsealed at the end of the 1260-year prophecy around the year 1798. Let's just look at that verse. The Bible says, Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. The Greek literally says, unloose them. They've been chained. They've been waiting for the time of the end. Let them go to bring end time Babylon down. In the same breath, in the same trumpet, in the exact context, the book of Daniel is unsealed. Revelation 10 verse 1. Then I saw a mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, his right hand on the sea and his left hand on the land, and he called out with a loud voice. And in the context, the book of Daniel that was sealed for the time of the end is unsealed. So what do we have here? We have four angels loosed. At the very time, we have the book of Daniel unsealed for the time of the end. In verse 6, this mighty angel swears by him who lives forever and ever as he holds the little book of Daniel open in his hand. Have you ever been to a church where someone said, well, you really can't understand the prophecies? I've been to a lot of places where they say that. If our movement is not interacting with the apostolic gospel and the prophecies together, we are not where God wants us to be at the end of time. I mean, there are men and women in the world today who are asking, who are more than asking, they're dying for truth to know what on earth is going to happen in the future. And if we as a people are not engaging them in that end-time truth and that apostolic gospel together, we are not performing the will of Jesus Christ. We cannot choose one and leave the other out. Now, if God sees fit to bring an angel down from heaven to unseal the book of Daniel at the time of the end, do we have a moral right to close that book and tell men and women, you cannot understand this? No. So we must be interacting with these twin truths as they are in the Bible. So this picture we see in Revelation 10, it's really coming from Daniel 12. Here's an angel who swears by him who lives forever and ever that the book is open, that God's gospel will go to the world, and it's really a recap of what was predicted in Daniel 12. Verse 4, the Bible says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, in the context, he's saying knowledge about the book of Daniel would increase. The man clothed in linen, in the context that is Jesus Christ, who was above the waters of the stream, raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever and ever that it would be for a time, two times, and a half a time. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be accomplished. So at the time of the end... There would be a dramatic move in history where the book of Daniel would be opened and human history would come to an end. The angel swore at the end of the time, times, and dividing of times that the great truths of Daniel would be unsealed. Now, we've looked at this time prophecy. When does it start? What's a time, times, and dividing of times? How many days? 
1,260 days. Why? Because three and a half years, which is a time, times, and dividing times, is how many months? 42. And how many days in a prophetic month? 30. So 42 times 30 is? 1,260 days, meaning 1,260 years. Does anybody know when that time prophecy started? I've said it probably 50 times here. So I'm quizzing you today. When did it start? The spring of 538, and when did it end? The spring of 1798. And this is the time for the oppression of the Christian church in the Middle Ages. Now look at verse 7 again, Daniel 12. It would be for a time two times and half a time, meaning three and a half prophetic years. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be accomplished. In Revelation 12, 14, the Christian church is pictured being driven into the wilderness for a time, times, and dividing of times. In Revelation 12, 6, the church is driven into the wilderness for 1,260 days, meaning 1,260 years. It's the same time period in the Bible that we're looking at right here. The church would be persecuted for over 1,000 years, 1,260 literal years. And we've demonstrated earlier that this 1,260-year prophecy started in the spring of 538 when the beast power was set up as Antichrist in Rome. And it ended in the spring of 1798 when that same power went into captivity at the hands of the French General Berthier in the great siege of Rome in the spring of 1798. The religious wars of the Middle Ages almost destroyed the Christian church. Did you know that? What Christ had established was almost knocked out by what transpired in the Middle Ages. In fact, Daniel 12, 7 is very clear that the power of the holy people, it would seem it would be broken. And when the church was broken at that deep level is when God would move at the time of the end to save his church. Daniel makes it very clear that the 1260 years would leave the church decimated at the end of the Middle Ages. He says the power of the holy people would be shattered. It would look like the devil had triumphed over the church. There would be no superheroes in the church to save the church. The theologians would have brought it down. The philosophers of the Christian church would have compromised its truth. The truth, it seemed, would fall to the ground. The gospel, it seemed, would seem to perish. And the truths of God's word would be forgotten in the hearts of those who worship God in harder times. And the Christian church would be so weakened and so shaken that no strength would reside within it at the time of the end. That's what Daniel 12, 7 is saying. So when this prophetic time period comes to an end, when Antichrist has done his job of tearing down the Christian church of the Middle Ages, it would be time to loose the four angels, to unseal the book of Daniel, to reverse the captivity of the Middle Ages, and to bring God's people back to God, to strengthen the Christian church with a movement born on the wings of Bible prophecy, committed to the Bible and prophecy. According to the book of Daniel, God acts when we have no strength. Have you ever felt tired? Yes, I can see it on your face. Have you ever felt real tired? Raise your hand. Let me tell you something. It's when you're real tired. It's when you don't have the answers that God has the answers. And the answer is not in Pastor Mike. The answer is not in the elder. The answer is in Jesus. But I want to tell you something else. The answer is also in a commitment to his church. And the church is not our ministry. The church is our connection to God's family globally who love him dearly. 
if you hang on to Jesus and the church, you're going to be okay. If you don't hang on to those two, you're not going to be okay. But what happens when you have no strength? When you're tired? When you've been fighting a lot of battles and you're just tired of fighting battles? It's at that time when God manifests his power and he reveals himself to you. And so in these last days, we must be looking to Jesus, using our gifts to make a difference in the place that we're at. Look what it says. It says, when the power of the holy people is fully shattered, it is the very time when God's power is used to fix the church. The persecutions of the Middle Ages came to an end. Around the year 1767, the beast power that persecuted the true church was taken into captivity in the spring of 1798. Had that prophetic event not occurred, the Christian church as we know it would have died because the Bible had been surrendered by both Protestants and Catholics at such a deep level, there was no way that the apostolic truth could go to the world unless four angels were loosed and the book of Daniel was opened to awaken a movement at the end of time to bring God's church into obedience and faith to prepare them for the final issue of the mark of the beast. Prophetic time brought relief from the persecutions. The persecutions of the Middle Ages came to an end around the year 1767. The last death or martyrdom in France occurred in that year. And the beast power that persecuted the true church was taken into captivity and received its deadly wound in the spring of 1798. Friend, relief came just in time to save the church. This represents the end of the 1260-year prophecy. Now, I'm amazed in our church and some of the forums that I've been following that there are people who don't understand the simple 1260-year prophecy and have tried to negate its impact. A few years prior to the end of this prophecy, Bible students had figured out that the nation of France would take down the medieval church-state system in the year 1798. They were looking for it before the end of that time prophecy, not after that time prophecy. It's one of the great milestones that we should look to and understand that we are living in the time of the end. The very event was predicted in Revelation 13.10. Open your Bibles, turn with me. If anyone is to be taken captive, where does he go? To captivity he goes. If anyone slays with the sword, with what? The sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. The time period is 42 prophetic months. In verse 5, the end of that time period brings the captivity and deadly wound of the beast. The Bible predicted what transpired in the year 1798. Friend, prophetic time does not lie. Relief comes at the time of the end. We are not living in a time in which God is calling us to fail. We're living in the very time when God is calling us to rise and do what his plan is for our lives. The Reformation lost its first love when it replaced philosophy and theology for clear Bible truth. Europe turned away from Christ and rejected faith in Jesus and the Bible as it turned to secularism to solve the problems of life. And when the power of the Reformation faltered in Europe, and the power of the holy people was broken by apostasy. God raised up a prophetic movement in America at the end of this time prophecy when four angels were loosed and the book of Daniel was opened to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus. And when the church-state system of the Middle Ages came crashing down in the French Revolution, 1798, Bible students all over the world said, Wow! 
Daniel 7 has been fulfilled. Daniel 12, 7 has been fulfilled. Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. And as a result of that, they started studying the Word of God and sharing it with others around the world. It was the time of the Great Awakenings when men and women began to turn to Jesus Christ in the new world. In the book of Revelation, there are four angels who are commissioned to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I've been in places where ministers will say, these three angels' messages got to go. That somehow our church will be healthier without them. Friend, our prophetic mandate are the three angels of Revelation 14 and the one that's coming after. There is no future as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian without a prophetic articulation of the truths that God has given to us. It's funny how sometimes they couch it as anti-gospel. What is the first angel's message saying? Fear God and give Him glory. Why? Because His everlasting gospel must be proclaimed to the world. The first angel in Revelation 14, 6, and 7 is an angel which affirms the apostolic gospel. So if we do away with the three angels, what do we have to deny in the first angel? The apostolic gospel. So when someone comes along saying, well, forget the three angels, just teach Jesus, it shows me they don't know what the first angel's about. The first angel is an affirmation of Jesus, of the apostolic gospel in the context of the judgment hour of human history. The second angel in Revelation 14.8 proclaims the fall of the medieval false religious system of Babylon. Babylon, in the book of Revelation, is a harlot. A harlot is a church system gone wrong because it left its true lover, Jesus Christ, for love of the world. And frankly, the second angel's message means that we cannot be ecumenical. Oh, you're looking at me like there's something wrong. You cannot be ecumenical and teach the second angel's message. The fall of that medieval church-state system and anything that has compromised Scripture is not compatible with the four angels and the book of Daniel. The third angel, Revelation 14, 9 to 12, provides the warning for the mark of the beast. It's a call to keep all of the commandments of God. Just nine. I mean, this notion that the fourth commandment doesn't matter when it says in the third angel, here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. How can you set aside the Sabbath and proclaim the third angel's message? Impossible. And so there must be a people on earth who are true to the Bible, who are true to the apostolic gospel, who will not compromise with modern ecumenicism, who are committed to keeping the law of God, but who are not legalists, who have faith in Jesus Christ. Third angel warns the world of the mark of the beast. The fourth angel of Revelation 18, 1 to 3, is the mighty angel that prepares God's people to come out of captivity for the last time at the time of the end. It is future along with the third in its full force and impact. The fourth angel makes the last call before Jesus comes. Four angels with four messages. And when they are finished, the servants of God will be sealed in their forehead and they will be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, how many of you want to be ready for Christ's return? Raise your hand. Then you need the four angels. And the first angel is not something you can set aside. The first angel of the four is the most important of them all because it is an affirmation of the most important teaching of the Christian faith. Let's go back and look at it again. Revelation 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of water. Does anybody here have any problem with that one? 
None? Good. Well, then you believe in the first angel's message. And look what it says next, verse 6. The first angel is pictured flying in mid-heaven. What does that mean? That means God sends an angel to come real close to us to proclaim a message so we can hear. At the end of the Middle Ages, when the persecutions under Rome came to an end, Bible societies sprang up and Christians were energized to give the Bible to the world. Missionaries began to enter China, India, Africa, South America, and the islands of the sea. The end of the 1260 years opened up a sense that Christ was coming. The fulfillment of that prophecy energized the Christian world. The name evangelical, according to the Random House Dictionary, means pertaining to or keeping with the gospel and its teachings. The era of gospel missions exploded after 1798. For the first time since the early church, the Christian faith was alive again with the proclamation of the first angel's message that spread like wildfire. The backlash to the Middle Ages was this Christ-centered global work of missions to reach the world and share the everlasting gospel. David Livingston was a missionary to Africa. Joseph Wolfe, missionary to the world. Alexander Duff and William Carey, missionaries to India. Jonathan Goforth, missionary to China and others. William Miller and others proclaimed the first angel's message in America. Men and women of God arose with their Bibles in their hands leading people to Jesus Christ. You know, that wouldn't be a bad thing for our church either, would it? Men and women with their Bible in their hands leading a father or a mother, networking and synergy to win our friends to the Lord Jesus. Well, that will conclude the first portion of the first angel's message today's Reaching Your Heart. You can always get online and listen to the entire broadcast without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We appreciate your contribution. The address here is Reaching Hearts International. 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Thanks for listening, and as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.